Amen. Thank you, teenagers. Music has been a blessing this morning. Thank you for your ministry. We appreciate it so very much. You're doing a great job. Thank you. You grab your Bibles. We want to look at the topic this morning quickly, the time that we have for this morning's service. And uh, we want to look at uh, what we've talked about, ordination, and uh, why, and uh, what, and who, and uh, answer all those questions concerning it. Why does uh, Fostoria Baptist Church have an ordination service this morning? What's the purpose behind it? What is it? Who does it involved and, and why do we do it? I really want to answer this question. It's good to have a few of you out yesterday to watch the council interrogation, however you want to describe it, and uh, the grilling, however many term, terms we could use. But uh, that kind of gives you a taste for what happens, what the process is. But we want to answer these questions. And young people, maybe God is working already on your heart to call you into the ministry. You young men, and, and you're thinking ministry and so forth. And I would hope that ordination is in your future too. And uh, somewhere down the road, the Lord would lead you in this process as he puts that call upon your life. So we want to understand all that goes into us. I trust we will this morning help us to do so. There's been a uh, one well-known pastor defined the ordination uh, as this. He, he compared it maybe as the best way to say it. He said the ordination is to the church leadership, what the bar exam is to the legal profession, the CPA exam to accounting, or state board examinations to medical practice. Um, all these examinations serve to ge- verify genuine qualifications for service in their uh, specific fields. And, and that is a good idea. kind of gets our, the ball rolling as we think of what is ordination. Uh, but to answer these questions of who, what, and why, I, I brought something into the pulpit here, kind of an illustration. And I, I brought a specific tool. And uh, I grabbed this from the uh, down in, we have a tool room down, a small one, a tool room down on the other end. And uh, I grabbed it from the drawer down there. And uh, if I stood up here, and, and even the young children could probably correct me, I said, hey, look at my fine-looking hammer. So they're like, what? And even the children are like, that's not, a ha- that's not a hammer. I'm pretty sure that's not. I know I'm not quite awake yet, but that's not a hammer. <laughs> Pastor Henry, you're wrong. And if I said, hey, it's a scr- uh, this is a great screwdriver, you say, no, 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 that's not a screwdriver. You're, yeah, you need to wake up, Pastor Henry. I know it's early, but you need to wake up, okay? Uh, and you'd be right. Why? Well, obviously, you, you look on it and you say, oh, I recognize that. I, I recognize that it is a wrench. And indeed, it is a wrench, and specifically, uh, it's specifically designed, it's created, it's equipped to do what a wrench is called upon to do. Now, if you took it and used it, or if you observed me, let's say I, I had something up here that specifically called for the need or the use of a wrench, and I used it and it did the job well, it performed the job, you could then say that it's been confirmed to be indeed a wrench. As you've seen it in action, and you've seen in, in, uh, in all of my vast knowledge of tools, you've seen Pastor Henry use it and uh, up here and demonstrate, okay, this is how it works, and boy, wow, that did a great job. That, that served the purpose. You can say, yeah, that, that certainly is a wrench. It's not broken. It's not a toy. <laughs> it's not plastic. It's not fake, and it is indeed a wrench. We would confirm, yep, that's a wrench. It, it certainly is. Then we take it a step further. The reality is, you think about it, uh, I didn't have this in my desk drawer. It wasn't sitting in the church office. It wasn't just sitting around in a pew. We actually had it in a drawer. Isn't this amazing? Marked for tools. And it was sitting there, right? It was kind of, in a sense, it was set apart. It was, it was separated and, and put where we knew it where it was so that when the time came for us to do a job that needed a wrench, 
We knew exactly where it was, and it could do the job. And so in that sense, we'd say, hey, you know what? We've separated that wrench, uh, and we've set it aside so that when we need it, we know where it is. And when that job is necessary, boy, we have the tool to get the job done. Now, that illustration really does a good job to represent what we are doing in an ordination. Uh, The three words kind of come to the top, we could put it this way. It's recognition, confirmation, and separation. So when we take Pastor Aaron and we take Pastor Tony and we say, okay, we're going to ordain these young men to the gospel ministry, these are the three words that really indicate, describe what we're doing. Even this morning, what we did yesterday as part of the council, and the council now recommends the Fostoria Baptist Church, the ordination of these two young men, uh, this is what we are saying, these three words. And we want to explain this and maybe elaborate on it. I want you to see this morning that this idea of ordination is really an act of obedience and worship on the part of the local congregation, the church. The called out assembly of believers organizes the church affirming that the one who has been called, chosen, empowered by the Holy Spirit to exercise their gifts in the ministry of the local church. That's what we're affirming. Church is testifying to the recognition that the candidate for ordination has evidence, and this is really one of the keys, has evidence the call of God upon his life. It's a call to full-time ministry within the gospel ministry of our Lord. Now, let's step back a moment. The question certainly uh, that is derived from these three words is simply this. Why do we ordain as a church? Where do we see the church being charged with doing this in the Scriptures? Uh, We as Baptists, and certainly more so as Christians, we want the Bible to be our sole authority for faith and practice. Why we do what we do. And so we want to have a good scriptural foundation for we as a church saying, okay, why are we ordaining? Why why, uh, is this a process we go through? Why do we make it such a solemn celebration and uh, thing that we do? I want to show you that from scriptures where we base that on. Turn with me to Acts chapter 14, if you will. Acts chapter 14. We'll look at one verse here. Then we're going to look at several. So um, get your Bibles ready. And uh, like the old AT&T commercial, let your fingers do the walking, okay? And uh, we'll start in Acts. Acts 14, verse 23, then we'll go to some other passages too. Acts 14, look at verse number 23. Understanding, Acts is very much a transitional book. We see uh, transitioning from the apostles, disciples, into the early church and so forth. And so uh, it's transitional in many ways, and yet it's setting the table. We see much of that apostolic authority passed on to the church and so forth through this book and into the rest of the New Testament. Okay, with that said, we understand. Let's look at chapter 14 and verse 23. This is speaking of Paul. Those who traveled with him, they're establishing churches in many different cities. We come to verse 23, it says this. And when they had ordained gained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Okay, so we see a, a kind of an introduction here of what Paul is doing. He goes to churches, he's establishing churches, and then they, he leads the church in ordaining elders pastors, bishops, to to lead that church. Turn over with me to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. We'll turn over a little bit here. Titus chapter number 1. Titus chapter number 1. We'll look down there at verse number 5. Titus chapter 1, verse number 5 says this. For this cause left I thee in Crete, and he's speaking to Titus, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. 
What is wanting? What needs to be done in, in the church there? What, uh, how should he lead the church? Uh, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Okay? So notice what we see immediately. Uh, we'll, follow, we'll add some more passages that kind of undergird this. But we see the pattern. The recognition of a local church establishing an elder, a bishop, a pastor, those interchangeable terms in the sense of describing the same office and establishing that in every church. They, Paul and Titus, and now Paul instructing Titus, led the churches in this ordination process, this appointment, this uh, setting them up and setting them apart as the leaders, the authority in the church, and to the ministry of the gospel. What I want you to understand, too, is the church is the driving force behind that. It is the local church that God has given the authority and the means and the power and the, the responsibility to, to do this. Uh, you see, as we think about it, this ordination and, and uh, these events that are coordinated with it, not all that we'll look at are talking about an ordination of a pastor. There are certainly some, even as we've seen here, in others. But these other ones will also look at the reality of the authority of the local church that it comes under the purview of the local church, their authority, their responsibility to do this. Now, turn with me to Acts chapter 6. We go back to the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 6, and again, this is not dealing with an ordination in that sense, but we do see uh, that early church um, setting aside, appointing, ordaining some men uh, for service within the church. Okay? Acts chapter number 6, we pick up in verse number 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there was a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and, and wisdom, whom ye may appoint over this business. Note that word, appoint. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, the congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Okay, so let's notice a few things. First of all, we have the multitude, the congregation. This is the, the beginning of the early church. We've already seen in the chapters prior, the church in Jerusalem is being established. And now the congregation comes together and they say, wow, there's a great need in the ministry. I think that's crucial. Because the church needs to propagate and help to equip and fulfill the need of the ministry. And so that's why we as a church, boy, we want to encourage and certainly uh, challenge folks, uh, are you surrendered to the Lord completely? Are, are you willing to go into full-time ministry? Are you willing to say, you know, Lord, I, I, I am willing. And young people, uh, my friend, soon after salvation and baptism as part of that discipleship process, you ought to surrender to God completely. God, whatever you want, wherever you want me to do, and wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. I'm surrendered. And the church, we encourage that. And we, are, we have a part in uh, certainly sending missionaries around the world, training up pastors to go in churches and so forth. That is our responsibility. Listen to me very carefully. It is not Bible college's responsibility to train pastors. Now, are they a help? Certainly. But the reality is God has given the local church 
He has made that the institution by which we are to ordain. Now, I am thankful for Bible colleges. They serve a great need in aiding and training and so forth, certainly. But my friend, the impetus is on the local church. That's biblical. And so I'm thankful for the colleges that are here. And I'm thankful for the presidents of several colleges even that I have conversed with. And they simply say, we're here to help the local church. We're here to help the ministers who are preparing for that. And I appreciate their heart and their biblical attitude towards that. And that responsibility falls on us. And here's this multitude, this congregation, understanding we need to choose. Verse 5 says they chose. And, and uh, as they talk about selecting, appointing, ordaining. What's interesting, verse number 3, I told you to note the word appoint. It is the same Greek word as the word ordain in Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. So we're talking about the same idea here when we talk about ordain selecting, choosing, uh, identifying, recognizing. Uh, that's what's taking place here. It's this appointing and ordaining that the church confirms the call of the Holy Ghost. Now, here's what I like. What do we know about the early church? They depended on the Holy Ghost a ton. They were led of the Holy Spirit. They, they allowed the Holy Spirit to guide and direct and to show them. And even in this choosing by the multitude in the congregation, we can be assured that the congregation sought the Lord's will. They prayed about it. They sought the Holy Spirit's direction and guidance to choose these seven men and to, uh, to confirm that this is who God would want to serve in this ministry, this aspect. Whatever that ministry is, some would say this is deacons, some would say men just serving, whatever the case may be, that, that is what we see happening here. And yet there was a willingness and a readiness to serve in that ministry. Now, the second passage we're going to deal with here in just a moment it's kind of neat because not only are we talking about the ordination today, but in a month, we're going to be commissioning the child. And we're going to look at a passage that deals with a commissioning-like service by a church that certainly plays into this. But one thing I want to know, did you catch in verse number 6 the, uh, the expression of the confirmation that the church has found? Yes, we're confirming that these men are going to be set aside for this ministry. Here it's that deacon or serving, okay? Notice verse number 6, the last part. They, they had prayed, and we're going to do that over Pastor Aaron and Pastor Tony, and we're also going to do this next part. Notice it. And they laid their hands on them. Okay, this is, not, this is not like mom and dad saying, wait till I get my hands on you, amen? Okay, that's not what this is, okay? That's a, wait till I get it, okay? Anyway, now that's not what we're talking about. This is just a laying on hands. And what is that? There's nothing supernatural thing about it. Nothing passing from those guys to this. It's not like uh, some superpowers. No, not at all. It is an expression, a demonstration of the confirmation that the Holy Spirit has called them and set them aside to the ministry of the gospel. It's we as a church saying, hey, we recognize we're confirming and affirming that God has called you to the ministry of the gospel. An exciting thing for any church and any individual. And we see that play out. It isn't just this passage. Uh, uh, Paul spoke to uh, for, uh, Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. He says this, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy, or by prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Okay? Another term, again, uh, they're representing the elders, the, the, the leaders, the pastors, uh, and so forth. Okay? So the laying on of hands. Now, turn with me, and we're in Acts. Let's go to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. 
Okay, so we're just seeing a pattern in Scripture specifically of a couple things here. The church is acting. They're, they're recognizing something, a call, and they're confirming that. So they're recognizing the recognition. They're confirming the confirmation. Now let's look at Acts chapter 13, if you will, with me. Acts chapter 13. And again, this kind of describes, not kind of, this describes a commissioning service for missionaries. Verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. Uh, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Verse 3. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now, there are several things that we can derive from this. Number one, this confirms the reality. Who does the calling? The Holy Spirit does the calling. Now, this is a great point because, listen, God is the one that calls. Churches don't call. Mamas don't call. We don't need mama-called preachers. Son, I just want you to be a preacher. You ought to do it. No, no, no. That's good. You ought to encourage surrender and service to God. But my friend, if you're going to be a a preacher, a missionary, you better be called of God. He's the one that ushers the call. So that's crucial. We've seen this here. The Holy Spirit is speaking. Separate unto me for the work that I have called them unto. So God is the one that calls. Part of the questioning and reality of yesterday, both Pastor Aaron and and Pastor Tony had to affirm the call upon their life to the ministry of the gospel. That 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 they believe and have, have been led of the Holy Spirit and of God to the ministry. That's important. And we recognize then in turn and confirm that. But notice the third word comes into play in this passage. What does the Holy Spirit say? Uh, He says, separate. The idea of separation. Separate them uh, from uh, the normal life in a sense. Separate them completely and wholly unto the ministry of the gospel. Uh, Put them over here. Give the uh, commit them holy. If we could put it that way, what does that mean? Well, God is uh, the one that calls the church to separate Paul and Barnabas to the work of the ministry, to establishing for them it was to establish churches and and to win souls to Christ and to also help Christians to grow. They were to be wholly given to that ministry. It is the church that recognizes it, confirms it, and sets them apart to the work of the ministry. Now, but notice this. It isn't based upon someone just saying they are called or just sowing desire. Let me make a point of this because this is what's important in this on the part of the participant, the candidate. It isn't someone who just says, you know what, I think I'll go into the ministry. There is a reason why the church is called upon as God's institution to inspect and evaluate. See, I've had people come to my office before and they say, hey, Pastor, you know what? I've been giving us a thought. I think I'll go into the ministry. Great. Should I just, you know, should I right now enroll in a pastoral class and so forth? No. Get involved in the local church and we'll see how that plays out. We'll see if that, that call is confirmed. This is what I love about this passage because the reality is Paul and Barnabas were what? Already part of the church. And these other teachers and such and leaders of the church, they were watching them. Now, now get this. Don't miss this. They were there for some time. They were observing them. They were taking into consideration, okay, yeah, these are men who, who have a desire and have evidenced in their own life that God is calling them. 
So when the Holy Spirit says separate them to me, they're ready to do it. Let me put it this way. The church no doubt observed their character, godliness. They evaluated their ministry. Yeah, they have a heart for ministry. It's evidence that God has called them to it. And they checked their doctrine and beliefs. Now, friend, in a day in which doctrine is under attack, that is so important. And so you can be assured that in this church, in the early church, and let's be sure that they're going to heed the apostles' doctrine. They're going to make sure that their beliefs line up with what we have taught and what Jesus Christ has taught. And my friend, when the church was satisfied that the men were called of God, what do we see happen here? They lay on of hands. They show their blessing, give their authorization, their verification of the call, that confirmation. And they separate them unto the work. They send them away. I love that statement in verse number three. And they sent them away. It's not like, get away from me. (laughs) No, it's, hey, go to work. Go to work. You've been called. We see that. We affirm that. We confirm that. Now go serve our Lord. It's a great thought, isn't it? I mean, it really is. It's an exciting time for a church. Uh, to confirm the call, to, to confirm and affirm, to recognize that this young man has been called to ministry, he and his wife, and God has called them to ministry, and then we can lay on of hands, pray for them, support them, and send them away into it. Now, the good news is we're not planning on sending away Pastor Aaron and Pastor Tony, amen? So in case you were wondering, some of you are looking, uh-oh. No, 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 no. It's the idea, hey, we're, we're setting you apart so that you can serve God in this minute, confirming that. Now, wh- what's the big deal of that? Well, I want to answer that in just a moment as far as why, why should a candidate desire that? I think there's a, a crucial point to that. But let's just kind of review, okay? We've gone over several things. Let's, let's answer these questions. So who is involved? Who are the participants? Number one, let's remind ourselves God calls, okay? And I'm going to hit some of these several times before we're done just so we understand because uh, we don't want to ever mess up or misconstrue what the Bible teaches concerning the ordination. Number one, God calls. Number two, the church recognizes that call in ordains and so that expressed through the laying on hands as we've said number three the candidate is the one who is called in surrendered now let me throw this in there right now and young people i would encourage you to to, to listen up you see on the part of the person who has been called to the ministry there has to be an attitude of willingness and submission I've talked to older folks before and, and who have given testimony and said, you know, Pastor Henry, I, I believe at this age or during this time the Lord was calling me into the ministry and I, I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to go. And, and they have talked to me 20, 30 years later and they have expressed the regrets of not being surrendered, not being willing to do exactly what God had called them to do. I'll tell you, my friend, is the ministry difficult and hard? Yes. You weren't there. Most of you weren't there yesterday. But one of the questions I asked the young men was simply this. What is your take of the ministry thus far? What has been your experience, your heart? How has it gone for you? You go home every night and cry into your pillow? What is it? How, how, how has it been for you? And you know, both of them expressed their delight to be in the ministry. Their thing, they wouldn't change it. But they also expressed the reality that they've come face to face with the difficulties of the ministry. Boy, when you're a minister, when you're in full-time ministry, there is a special bullseye on you. Satan wants to come after you. You know, try every which way possible. So there is reality to that that difficulty of the ministry, if we can describe it as such. And yet there is great joy in the ministry. But you have to be willing. 
You have to be surrendered to that. And so that's the participants, if we could describe it. So then, if that's the who, what about the what? Well, just to kind of put it simply, it is a recognition of the call of God. We've seen that already. It is the confirmation of the church of that call. So you and I as a church, we've evaluated, we've inspected, we've, we've witnessed, we've taken in the evidence of their living, their character. We've evaluated their doctrine and belief. The council has, has done that for you. You have heard them preach, and we're in a unique position with both Pastor Tony and Pastor Aaron that they have ministered in our midst. And we've been able to witness that and see that and see the evidence of that. And so we confirm that, and then uh, the ordination as we lay on hands and pray for them and ordain them, we are separating them to and them and their family to that call, to the ministry of the gospel. Well, that brings us down to the why, right? To the why. Well, obviously, why do we do it? First of all, I believe we see a pattern. We've already seen that. There's other passages that allude to that. There's a pattern uh, passed on and from the apostles and Paul to T- Timothy, Titus, and so forth in the churches that they started of those churches ordaining ministers. We've seen that. And so that plays out in the New Testament. But secondarily, I, let's revisit this verse. Okay? Notice what we said here, or Paul said to Timothy, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the elders, the leaders of the church, the presbytery. Now, I would add to this, I, this is a great passage for pastors, First Timothy chapter 4. Okay? Around this are many warnings and other things given, great counsel, admonition about the ministry that is given. And notice verses 15 and and, and 16. He follows that verse out. Hey, the laying of hands, you've been called, you've been ordained, is essentially what he's saying. And he says this, notice it. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, uh, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, and to what? Unto the doctrine. Take heed, stick it, stay it, continue in it. He goes on, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So when we ask, what is the purpose? Why do we do ordination? Well, certainly we've already seen some of the answer to that. But number one, I'll give you four things. Number one, to recognize, set the candidate apart as one who is called of God and qualified for ministry. See, someone we ordained, we are helping them fulfill what Paul said to Timothy, to give thyself wholly to them. This is life. When you're in the ministry, it's life. You, you are serving God. Not only are you a Christian like each of us are to serve God and live for God, but as a full-time minister, man, this is your life. You are to give yourself wholly to it. And that's what we are encouraging to do. The event of the ordination, it marks a point of officially recognizing the work of God in one's life and encouraging them and helping them, supporting them, and giving themselves wholly to it, continuing in them, as Paul said. If we could just kind of give it a modern thought, it's a stamp of approval uh, by God's designated spiritual institution here on earth, the church. And God wants to work in the church, wants to work through the church, and this is one of the ways he does. Number two, I think Paul hits on this to Timothy especially. You know one of the points of this? Now, don't miss this. I think this is so crucial, and this is sometimes what we miss about the ordination. It is to safeguard the ministry. It is to safeguard the ministry. You see, the fact is, the practice of laying on the hands was a way uh, for men who had already been approved for leisure to safeguard the ministry by allowing only called and qualified men to enter it. The key is yesterday, listen, when we had Pastor Aaron and Pastor Tony sit up there and the deacons and I and Pastor Haas and Brother Nathan, when we just threw question after question after question uh, about doctrine to them, it wasn't just, as I jokingly said, payback, because I went through it. 
Okay, that's not the reason. It isn't, hey, well, we get to do this because it's fun and we get to, no, 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 no. That is not at all the reason. The fact is this. If we're going to say we're confirming and recognizing the call of God to the gospel ministry, they better know the gospel. They better know the Bible. If they're called upon to preach and teach the Bible, we are confirming, wait a minute, they know it. They're not teaching some false doctrine. They're not going to get heretical in something that is not biblically founded. And so our job is to inspect it. And I, I tell you, friend, if we're going to turn out preachers here at Fostoria Baptist Church, we're going to ordain preachers that know God's Word. And they will stick to it, and they will preach it, and they will not deviate from it. Yeah, it's to safeguard the ministry. we got enough wrong preachers out there. We need more good ones. And so that's our job, to safeguard. That's ordination. Now listen to me. You may find this a little harsh. One of the questions at the end that we asked both candidates, we asked Brother Josh and Brother Jeff when we did this several years ago, was this. If you ever change your stance on any of these doctrines, if you ever deviate, do you understand that we will revoke your ordination? You say, man, that's harsh. No, that's not harsh, my friend. That's safeguarding the doctrines, the ministry. And that's saying, listen, we're ordaining you according to the doctrines and the teaching of God's Word. And we will do that. Now, as they both answer, by God's grace, they'll never deviate. They'll stay true. They'll stand on the truth of God's Word. But part of this ordination process is to safeguard the ministry. Stand for the doctrines as we see them. Number three, and I think this is sometimes, well, maybe two, what some people miss. The idea of them being ordained, this is to be a big encouragement to both Pastor Aaron and Pastor Tony. We as a church are standing behind them. We are saying, hey, we're with you on this. We recognize that God's call upon you. And, and Paul even urged Timothy, hey, remember your ordination. Remember the laying on of hands. Remember when the church set you apart. We're behind you because, you know what? Here, here, here's a statement. Don't miss this. This is, uh, this is not personally for me, but the old joke is this. Every preacher writes out their resignation on Monday morning. Okay, uh, Sundays, Monday morning, you kind of have the low of your Sundays. Now, I haven't done that. Sorry to disappoint. Um, but uh, that's the old joke, right? That, that's the old, hey, it's so, listen, you know what? Ministers, whether missionaries or pastors or wherever they serve, need to be reminded that we're here with you. We stand with you. We support you. And part of the reality of ordination is that we're saying to these young men, listen, we recognize we confirm, and my friend, we're separating you in the ministry, and we're here for you. We're going to be here for you. And we recognize what God's doing, the call upon your life, and that you are set aside to this wonderful, beautiful gospel ministry. Now, here's a reality. As even borne out in some of our questions yesterday, my friend, the days and the years ahead are going to be some of the hardest that it has ever been to be a preacher of the Word of God. It is. I'm not saying that because I'm a preacher. I'm saying that because of the, the world we live in. And the times are getting close for Christ's soon return. And I'll tell you, my friend, pastors and missionaries need our encouragement and our support as much as ever. Those sent out of our church, those ordained, we need to encourage them, lift them up, let them know that we are with them. Okay? So, from our examination and consideration of scriptures, and uh, what, what are the principles and conclusions? Again, i just trying to uh, nail it home and, and help us and encourage us. Uh, this is what we see. Number one, the local church ordains men to the ministry. And I think, important point again, the scripture gives no precedence for any other group outside the local church to ordain men. 
See, early on we saw the apostles, and as the apostles passed their authority onto the local church, and so we find it that the, the ordination council makes the recommendation. See, we have Pastor Hawes as a part of that, and so forth. And, and at times, the, when we did Josh and Jeff, we had several more pastors that were a part of it. They make a recommendation to the church, but my friend, it is this local church that is ordaining these men. Okay? So they're helping us, assisting us, and I appreciate it so very much, but we as a local church are ordaining them. It is the job, responsibility, it is the privilege of the local church to ordain. And so let's not forget that. God calls, we ordain. Number two, the ordination involves a process of evaluating a man which starts before the church ever calls an ordination council. Okay, that's crucial. See, you say you want to be ordained. You come and say, hey, Pastor Henry, I want to be ordained. Well, my friend, there, there ought to be at least some time that we've already watched you and evaluated. We saw with Barnabas and Paul. And such is the case with Pastor Tony and Pastor Aaron. We would have never gotten to the part or the place yesterday of having the council if they hadn't already evidenced something it is watching and observing evaluating that evidence and that call and even uh, their involvement in ministry even up to that point number three after evaluating a man uh, the church leaders lay hands on him to show an affirmation and confirmation of the call of god upon his life we've seen that and that's what we're going to do at the end of the morning service we'll have them up here the deacons and and any ordained men of our church who are part of the council will come up here lay on of hands in demonstration of the the affirmation, the confirmation, the recognition, and the separation of these men to the gospel ministry. And uh, we're living out God's word in obedience to it. Then last but not least, we say the purpose of ordination, and this is good for us to um, remember, is to recognize that recognition of the person whom God has called. Set them apart to the ministry, also to safeguard the ministry, and to provide an occasion that will encourage them in years to come. See, I trust that in this message and in this sermon, it's been very just informative, a study, a Bible study of what is the ordination. And I trust we've answered the question of who, what, and why of this wonderful occasion, this process we call an ordination. And yet I'd say, you know, how can you best remember it? Well, certainly I think those three words, if you were to think about it, recognition, confirmation, separation. That really sums up what is an ordination in our part. And let me say this, and then we'll be done. I'll pray, and then we'll have a little break before Sunday school. Um, but understand this. This is really an exciting time for a local church. See, the Bible calls on us to do two things, I think, in many ways. We are to reproduce uh, as far as believers. We're supposed to be winning others to Christ and witnessing and seeing other people grow and be discipled after trusting Christ. And that's, that's important. But we are also supposed to re, be reproducing in authority, leaders, churches, and so forth, and ordaining men to the ministry so that they can have impacts on other churches and so forth, even in our own church, and then young people grown up in that and sent out too. That is our goal and our desire. So this is an exciting time when we get to this point, when someone is ordained to the gospel ministry. We're doing our part. The need for full-time ministers is great. We'll see that in Sunday school as Pastor Carter comes to kind of explain and share some things biblically about that. And may I tell you, my hope and prayer as a pastor is that we have many more of these in the future for FBC. I pray that some of the young people here some of the young men or any of the young ladies marry a preacher, whatever the case may be, and we have these kind of situations in the future. Boy, that is our prayer and our desire. But the key is this, for you and I as a church to do our part, to understand what ordination is, how it is a time of obedience and worship of God for us as a church and an exciting time together. We look forward to it. Let's pray. Father, we thank